Hey guys, welcome to the Youth Fitness Podcast. Topics on youth fitness with a focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin Family, the developers of the Brand X Method, and the Athlete Coach Network. Youth need great coaches now more than ever. Brand X has dedicated themselves to doing what is best for kids for over two decades and now offers mentoring, education, programming, and resources in one smart package to empower coaches to efficiently deliver world-class youth programs. Check out their plug and play options and join the Brand X family today. You plus Brand X equals youth program success. We're back for another youth fitness podcast, and we have the honor of having our good friend and amazing, experienced coach Johnny Smythe with us today. It's Lord, Lord Johnny, Lord Johnny, <laughs> Lord. Uh, how did I miss that? <laughs> I, I own a I own a square foot of land in Scotland that gives me a Lord title. Okay, so I'm a Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we have all those. <laughs> A gift from a friend. Yes. <laughs> you need to visit that spot sometime. Yeah, I, 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 I know. I need to look it up and see where it is and see if I can build the smallest house ever on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, fine. What about a shrine? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, we could go and visit it like a yearly shrine. Pilgrimage. <laughs> pilgrimage. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> I, could, I could see that. I could see that. I can see Katie putting up with that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, when, when I die, I want my ashes put in this one square foot of land that I own in Scotland, please. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shrine. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, the kids have to go every year. Yeah. So, Johnny, we met, we were talking about where we met, and we think it was at Manchester back know. in the day, or was it prior to that? It was just before that. It was at the the... Those world famous uh, fit functional oh. games. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Games? At the games, I got introduced to you at the games, and you were going to Manchester to do the seminar just after the about a month later or something, and you invited me over to uh, take part in it. And yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember you sitting in the back smiling and Adding lots of colorful commentary. Well, <laughs> that wouldn't be like me. I'm impossibly still now. I had a hard time translating from my <laughs> very slow brain in American English, um, but appreciated appreciated the commentary. Uh, tell, us about, tell us a little bit about what what you've been up to in your bio. I mean, I know you're just still getting more and more training and degrees and it's pretty, <laughs> yeah pretty impressive i'm one for learning i don't like to sit still let's just start with i've always been into sport like i've, I've i played football i played uh or soccer for use i played rugby you know all through school did a bit of 10ks and 5ks then got into martial arts fought professional kickboxing for a while so that really upped my, my training and then I was working in a factory and I remember an old friend of mine saying don't get stuck in factory work go and do something you enjoy so that was the start of me starting to study to go into the fitness world that was over 20 years ago like I'm old now so so yeah I went into did my personal training stuff and then started working as a personal trainer and then I 
I'd give up kickboxing. I went back into playing rugby and then I got into mixed martial arts in a strange roundabout way. I ended up doing MMA. And I wanted to find a new way to train, you know, because we were doing the, the old style splits, you know, chest and tries and back and buys. And it was all good, but I knew that wasn't the way to train for fights. And that's when I came across that functional fitness world. So I started using that. Started using that for my training, and then I opened the CrossFit Northern Ireland way back in 2000, and I think I affiliated in 2007, and I opened the doors in 2008 off it. And then, yeah, I'd done that. I ended up working as seminar staff while I was there. I worked with Coach B for a while. I think I, I went from Coach B's house to your house uh, <laughs> a, few, a, a few times. I think Jeff made me drink whiskey and stuff. I'm not yeah. sure. He, he might have tried scotch and you said no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might have been. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah. I was doing seminars, things like that. I, I, as I say, we met you guys, did my, my kids course and all through you. Um, and then eventually I left working for them. And I realized that I had a lot of knowledge in that field, but not a lot of knowledge to pass on in the outer field. Like if I went into the strength and conditioning world, I didn't have the same amount of knowledge that they would look for me to have there. And it limited what I could do. Like I I, I worked with the police service in Northern Ireland to redesign their training program. And I couldn't get a job with them, even though I was in six for six, seven months redesigning their program and teaching their coaches how to do stuff. I couldn't get a job because I didn't have a degree. I was like, right, okay, so I need that bit of paper. So, yep, I, I went back <laughs> to school in, in my 40s to do my degree. Which was interesting. It, it it opened a whole new world that I didn't see of the sporting world and things like that. And it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with parts of it, but it, the the crossover is always good. I always think about the crossover and how I can apply that to what I do now. After the degree, I did bits and pieces of work. I worked with you guys during that as well. I started doing seminars with Brand X. I started doing a bit of mentoring with you guys and mentoring other other coaches. And then I decided we moved to just before we came here. I decided that I would do a master's because I, I'm just always hungry. <laughs> I'm just always wanting to learn. And I thought, no, I'm going to do a master's. You know, it's another year and a half. It was during COVID, so it was a good time to do it. So, yeah, I've done my master's in performance coaching. We moved to Canada halfway through doing the master's. And and then I finished it over here. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. I finished it at February or March. I think I got my thesis in in March. Found out I passed it and say about April maybe and then yeah the, that's it I'm now an all-knowing wise well pretending to be an all-knowing wise person but I still know nothing I think that's the thing when you do more education you realize how much you don't know <laughs> yeah it's true it's, you, you start digging in and you go oh yeah, yeah. oh, oh no. <laughs> you, you do you do it's like whoa hold on a minute <laughs> I know nothing. That idea of the kind of the separate worlds, the functional fitness world and the strength and conditioning world. And and it seems to me people get locked in their both in their ways. And there's yes. so much that, that crosses over. You know, I mean, way back, you know, that's we way back we started lifting heavy in our functional fitness world. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it was amazing, you know, like the people you can't do that. Well, yes, we can. And it was and then, you know, that kind of transferred over to some of the things we did with the kids that were pretty amazing. But it's I, I, I feel like both segments, both sides, could learn so much and, and move move fitness forward for kids or for kids. Yeah. 
that I'm worried yeah. about move fitness forward if they weren't so stuck in their silos. I, I think the biggest problem in the fitness world is all these organizations that are now trying to be the governing bodies. You know, the the you've got the governing bodies like the UK. The UK SEA is not too bad, but you like you've got uh what do you call the ones that are over the personal trainers like uh there was raps was one of them you know remember raps was out there you've got the nsca you know and they all you do your degree you do your masters and then you have to pass their their multiple choice questions to show that you've got the knowledge to well no that doesn't work because i can read a book and pass a multiple choice question no problem but i can't teach a squat or i can't teach a yeah. Uh, or I don't know what's happening when I look at somebody. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, when when you when you have a, a few times. when you have <laughs> a a, um, a you know sixteen year old that's never done any any sport. They've sat on the on the couch, and all they've done is is play games. And they come into your gym. Do you know the Do you need to know the Krebs cycle? <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> you, don't. you don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. You don't yeah. Be able to describe that. You, you know and. And it's really interesting because what you're saying, I think, is 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 really part of the problem. I mean, there's several problems, I think, in the, in the fitness industry right now. But one of the problems is, is you can go to school, you can, you know, spend all that time, you can, you can get the degree, you, then you can get the certification, and you come out of that certification as a certified strength and conditioning coach, and you can't teach a squat. Exactly. And I'll tell you how many of our kids have gone to uni, to uni where somebody has to be a you know a, a has to have that piece of paper and they they say their strength and conditioning coach can't teach the kids you know is up there telling the kids to here's the, here's the program you need to do but they can't tell them how to do the program yeah we've had maybe no less than six uh, kids teens who were through our program went on to college and ended up calling Jeff like the first semester. Uh, what they're doing here is bad. Can you program for me again? Or can we talk about well, here's what I think I'd yeah. like to do? And, because by that time, they're pretty autonomous. They, they've yeah. got, but yet they check in with him. Like, uh, is it normal that they? this is weird? <laughs> it isn't even that. It isn't even, it isn't even that they, like, I think that they come out. Um, so the coaches, so what I see on, on the book side is the coaches come out at, able to deliver a really well-rounded program. Here's the program you can do. But what I hear from my kids is things like, you know, they, they spent one, they spent one half hour session teaching the people how to do cleans. And then they went off and they went, okay, now go do the program. Yeah. So it's, it's, more, it's more monitoring a program than actually teaching. And then from the, from the, from the other side, from the functional fitness side, it's like, okay, I can teach a squat, but I don't really understand how the human body works. And, yeah. So. Well, that, that, that's funny you say that because, as you know, I did my thesis and I did it on the naturalistic decision making. I used ACTA, you know, advanced uh, uh, cogn cognitive task, cognitive task analysis. And I was questioning the, the functional fitness world coaches how you can get a novice coach to an expert level at a shorter at a shorter period of time instead of having the whole 10 years. And what I even noticed with those, and these coaches were all over 10 years worth of coaching and at least a level three. And uh, and see when you took them out of the, what do we call it? The manualized system, which is used over the, the weekends that you're done. It's a manual, you read it all, you, you get the, you know, you do your squat circle, all that there, but it's a manualized system. Once you took a coach out of the manualized system, the fault that wasn't in the book, they, they, they were lost. They tried to resort back to what they learned in the book 
but they couldn't, you know, it was like, oh, we'll scale it down, or we would do this, we would do that, we would go here, but they had no, they just got into panic. They just, it was like, and this was supposed, this was supposedly expert coaches, you know, so it's like, there has to be a benefit to both models, you know, the manualized system and watching what you're doing, but you also have to have that benefit is you can learn from people outside of your system, and that system can learn from the people inside the system. There has to be a lot of crossover, you know? Don't you remember watching, walking in and like looking at a looking at a fairly new coach, and the coach is like screaming a cue at somebody, and you realize it's the cue that they've heard for a problem that they have, and yeah. it has nothing to do with what's going on in front of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's you know that doesn't that doesn't apply. This person doesn't have that problem that you're trying to fix. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, it, it is. It's a lack of, and it's that it's that internal. It's that nearly internal. Our system's better than your system approach, yeah. and they won't, they won't reach out and go. Do you know what I could learn from a strength conditioning? And so, don't get me wrong, strength conditioning coaches. There's people out there with doctorates, and some of the stuff I've seen them do with people is just like, you know, it's like, whoa, what do you do? You know, this is this is so you get it on both sides, but there there can be a lot of. You need to think outside the box sometimes, and you only do that by going to people outside the box, you know, and learning from other people. So, yeah, but I think it's a big, it's a big flaw in the fitness world. I think it's important, and I think one of the things that's kind of always gotten us in trouble with some people is the idea that we always want to learn that we're, our system is never done, and they, they everyone wants to have this nice, neat little. Both sides want to have this nice, neat little box that, like, well, yeah. just. Do these things in my box, it'll always work out. And and and, and I think that you know, for us, we've 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 come a few times against you know people going like, well, you know, it's it's this no, is your this system. Only, no, this 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 is, has to fit this. Yeah, this is the mold. And, 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 and the whole world keeps blowing up, and we yeah. change what we have to do to fix what's going on with it. It's it's it becomes often, I think, a doctrine for people. It has to be that. And you have to believe these things and not go outside of them. And I think there are many people within the functional fitness world and also within the strength and conditioning and other venues within fitness that, that see outside doctrine and go, wait, we need to be applying everything we can to solve this. What it is, essentially, it's a movement problem. We need to solve it, right? Yes. So how do we get all the tools? Not, well, we're only going to use a hammer, a screwdriver, and a saw. That's it. We got nothing <laughs> Right? Like, come on. We have to think outside. And and that's I I have tons of respect for you, Johnny, for pursuing that. And and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Oh, thanks. We know how much experience you bring to this and particularly to some of these really important kids' issues. And I think the first one we'd love to to talk about is resilience. Oh. Because you and your lovely wife, please say hello. Oh well, oh well. Oh. I sent her right with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> have contributed massively to our ability to have some input into the mental health and mental well-being of youth within our course by creating that piece mm -hmm. on resilience. So you guys came together and helped us helped us uh, create that piece. Wow, back in 2016, 2017, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was and, uh, yeah. And yeah. and then how uh, how appropriate you know because now 
look where we are now and everybody's going like, oh, we need to talk about resilience. Yeah, but we need to talk about, well, yeah. hey, kids are crashing. Probably not. It's the buzzwords now. It's uh, like resilience is one of the buzzwords now, isn't it? In fitness, everybody's talking about being more resilient than doing this and doing that. And I was talking to you. I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a, like a wee bit of background. My lovely wife, Katie, was a sports, for people listening, she used to be a sports psych, a sports psychologist. Worked with Team GB for a while, and then she went into clinical. So now she's a clinical psychologist. So every week I lie on the sofa, tell her my problems, and she just <laughs> tells me to get off the sofa and do the dishes or something, you know. But, but, but so yeah, we we she does a lot of this and work. She did resilience, and I know we're going to maybe touch on trauma yes. as well if we get the chance on it. But it's like you know, and she's starting to include that a lot, and like uh, she did a conference on it quite recently, and it's coming in. And we were just talking about, you know, resilience and how we have now the buzzword of resilience. I think we've all went, not as all, but I think the world has went, oh, resilience. And they've totally lost sight of what resilience is. And it's now turning into some crazy thing that there it's the more we push you, the more we make you break you, you know, and you come back. You know, it's it's I think we've went nearly too far, like we always do in this world people are starting to go too far into resilience or overthink it, you know? Or or analogize it to things it's not. Yes, yes. It's getting mixed up with a lot of other stuff and it's it's not, you know? So we've a a great, we've a great, uh, Katie came up with a great table. You'll, I can't show it here. I can can describe it to you and you can, if you have a pen, you can write it down. But it's, uh, imagine you draw four cups four quadrants so a line down and a horizontal line across you know so it's like a square and you've divided it into four in the top la- on the top left you put a battle state or fight flight in the bottom left you put going through the motions in the top right you put energetic flow state and in the bottom right you put calm flow state if you have an arrow pointing up that's your sympathetic nervous system and if you have an arrow pointing down that's your parasympathetic nervous system and if you go to the right, you have safe, supported, appropriately challenged, and trust. And over on the left, you have uncertainty, unconfident, and lonely. And we, Katie's used this a lot. And we talk about this as being in the matrix. And everybody in the world goes through this matrix. You know, sometimes you're going through the motions. Sometimes you just can't be bothered. You're feeling a bit down. You're just going through the motions of life. Sometimes you're, you're not fight flight. You know, something happens. You're, you get all that flight fight energetic flow you're excited you're hyper you're like really wound up and then you get the calm flow state where you're just going through happy as larry going through life just as normal and everybody goes through this and it's expected that everybody as a human goes through this and we were talking about resilience and i'll come back to the why that and like the military resilience in the military is this beast of lighter life out of you until you can barely go no more and then it's through fitness. We're going to keep beasting you and we're going to push you all to your limits and you're going to come back more resilient because you keep coming back every day and doing it more and doing it more and doing it more. And we were thinking, do you know the people in the seals that ring the bell? You know, would they not be the resilient ones? Yeah. <laughs> they know their limits. Yeah. We actually looked at them when they left the seals. They were, what is it? The resilience, the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back from difficult life events. Now, let's look at them when they've rung that bell and they leave the seals. Do they go into deep depression because they never made it? Or do they just get on with life and go and do something else or go and join another service or go and do something else? Because if that's what they did, they bounced back 
they did really well and they're actually probably the people you wanted they're probably the more resilient people instead of the ones that just keep pushing themselves pushing themselves and pushing themselves because if that truly worked why is there so much ptsd mm. you know if, if they were truly built to be resilient yes they can push themselves physically but mentally a lot of them end up broken you know and a lot of them end up in trouble afterwards so they're not bouncing back from the hard problems they're not bouncing back from the hard stuff so that's what we're seeing so it's you know you take them back and we think resilience is when you look at those four quadrants resilience is knowing where you're sitting in those four quadrants and being happy with where you are and knowing how to deal with that so if you're in that going through the motion state feeling a bit down you resilient people will recognize i'm having a bad day life's not going too good but they don't let it get on top of them they go to the next you know they'll travel through and they go to the next part it's the same as that fight flight why are you in fight flight and we but you know They'll recognize where they are. They'll come back down. And it's and that's what we think resilient people truly are. That's where resilience is. And yes, you get there by pushing them a wee bit at a time and a wee bit at a time. But it has to be mentally. It has to be mental awareness and physical awareness. You know, so a wee bit harder in the gym. Yes, but knowing what state they're in in that gym and not constantly pushing them. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it also helps, I think, define the difference between resilience and grit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, I think that people met, we we've talked about this a lot that people mistake grit for resilience, and it's yes. and and yeah. um, so well, it, 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 one one of the things I really I appreciate about what the 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 module you you guys built for, for in the in the course is that it's really helping coaches teach kids how to talk and how to recognize this and then how to talk to themselves. So how to recognize what's going on, how to, how to, uh, to change their self-talk. And, you know, I think that the way a coach addresses a young child or a child when they're, you know, having difficulty, it's, it's important and it helps frame the frame for the child what's going on. Um, yeah. And I think you guys, it was brilliant in the in the course, the way you guys help with that. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it Honestly, it's helped me look at how resilient uh, am I? Like it, it helps, I think, all of us self-reflect a bit on do I blame things externally? Do I look at the locus of control? Do I, is my self-talk keep? making things seem more permanent rather than temporary all those things like that that goes through my head not not you know too what? infrequently now there's kind of like a little check you know yeah. like a pickup. i know we and, got to. and i i hope that other coaches are able to transfer it into their coaching absolutely but also help them be in a better space we've got i think i think that's right yeah I think coaches have to be aware of their own state and how that that will go on to the, ch- the the kids they're coaching, and also they have to be aware of the kids' state. You know, they can't just if a kid's feeling a wee bit of like going through the motions, you can't take that kid. And it doesn't matter how hyper you try to make them; they're not going to go from go through the motions straight in the energetic flow state. Mm-hmm. You know, there there has to be a reason why they're there, and the coach needs to understand why they're there. Talk to the kid, see what it is, you know, and that's it. And then it's just like happy days. You're building that trust, aren't you? You're giving them that safe environment. You're supporting them. And that's then that helps them come out of that state and into the next state. And also it helps them realize how they're, because I don't think we know what our feelings are anymore. You know, everybody's depressed now. Nobody's sad. You know, 
nobody has a bad day. You know, it's like everybody's just depressed. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, also, like we should also, be, we should be more like puppies. I mean, I, you know, you hate to you hate to blame stuff on the, on on screens, and, but I'm going to blame stuff on screens. You know, you can uh, people today don't just like don't just sit. No, don't just sit without the screen. They don't just you know go for a walk without the screen or have you a know. minute for self-reflection so, I mean, without we, anything we watch we'll we watch this happen lot. We, we take our dog for a walk a couple times a day and you'll literally see people walking down the street with their dog holding their phone yeah so so self-reflection is is gone and and, and we can you know this is a whole diatribe about yeah. about where our, where our society is let's, let's stop let's <laughs> rivet it yeah let's move on but, to the rough and tumble play i think we should I, honestly I, what i was going to say was this whole discussion about resilience i'd love to have johnny back on and just like really take a deep dive oh, i think that. all of so these things we're going to touch on, on them and like go oh well there's a lot more let's move on to to, to rough and tumble play oh rough and tumble play my favorite <laughs> Actually, I'm an MMA fighter, you know. <laughs> Rolling around half naked with people, it was, you know. Yeah, rough and tumble play. It's uh, it's another thing we've lost sight of, I think, in society because we're hard spirited people getting hurt. Uh, I don't know whether it's a lawsuit society or it's you know you don't get it the same. You know, kids don't climb trees like they used to. They don't go and run off buildings and jump into sand pits like I used to do when they were getting constructed, because it's all. You know, it's all health and safety. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't hurt yourself because then I'm liable for you and this. But rough and tumble play, like I was looking at the benefits of rough and tumble play for kids and you've got physical and social skills. You know, you're you're learning about your body. You're learning about your strength. So if you're wrestling or messing about and play fighting with your, with a, your friend, you're learning how strong you are against your friend. You're learning how to control your strength and what to do with that strength and how to do this. Your social skills, you know, it's teaching you facial expressions. It's teaching you how to listen to people and what they want, you know, because your friend may say, stop, you're hurting me. Or their face, they may say, no, I'm good, but their face is going all through <laughs> and they're in pain, you know. So it's teaching the kids facial expressions, how to read body language. It's a safe, it's like, it's how to increase risk, but in a safe way, you know. So they start to get a bit riskier in their play. They start to see how far their their risk levels are, you know, where they're at and things like that. And it helps them explore, you know, we talk about gymnastics, changing your body and space. Well, you think about wrestling, I mean, you're messing about with your friend. Do you know, you've got a leg sticking out here, your head's over this direction somewhere in between their leg, you know. You, so you're learning your body in different places of space and different control and learning how to control it in different ways. And I think it's so important, you know, that we're taking that out. And if you think back, I think it's primitive as well. Like, why do, why, why do animals play? They learn to hunt. Yeah. You know, they're essentially mimicking. <laughs> hunt, it's hunt. not just that. I know, it's not just that, but it's also bonding and physical bonding and happiness. And, it, you know, it's all things like that. And I think there is a bit of primitive in humans, especially boys that always want to fight and do rough and tumble. I think it's, why, why of course they do. You know, so- so I have to take a, le- a little bit of a left turn here because you hit on <laughs> animals yes. and I have this whole, as you know, rant about yes. play. <laughs> But animals that play the most are the most evolutionarily successful animals. And yeah. they that what they need to survive. So if we transfer that to what you're talking about, that means that if this is play that's happened for thousands and thousands of years and we've taken it out, we've taken out a survival skill. Yes. And you and you're 
you're telling us what all those things are that that we're re- we've removed by removing rough and tumble play. Exactly, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I know maybe society in this day and age doesn't need to learn how to fight with swords and shields and pretend that you're shooting people up the road like my kids do, you know, and, and beat each other and things like that. But <laughs> a part of me still thinks they do. A part of me still thinks that they need to do that because they're mm-hmm. developing, you know, they're learning how to control themselves, how not to hit their brother across the head with a wooden sword so hard that it splits his skull, you know, but it's like, and, you know, we are getting back into society but if they don't want it or not. But I think kids need to learn how to defend themselves. Kids need to learn how to hunt. They need to learn how to fish. They need to learn how to, you know, it's all life skills that I think they just need to have. And you learn that from rough and tumble play. You learn how to deal with things like that and how to get around that. You know, there's a whole there's a whole segue here about risk management and and Mm. understand and and not me as the parent or as the coach risk managing the risk. It's the child learning to manage their own risk. Yes, and becoming uh you know it's it's funny because the more a you know in my experience the more a child uh engages in this rough and tumble kind of play and this you know things like uh how high can i go on the swing and jump off and land and 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 not hurt myself and all those things the more they do that the 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 more or the less risk there actually is because they know the boundaries of their own of their own yes their own body and they can they can apply that in so many different 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 places and people are, and children are losing that because we're we're spending so much time uh keeping them from doing things like climbing the tree or how high you know well, what well, might happen we're we're removing their ability to i've heard there's like a three-point checklist recognize assess and manage risk yes and, we have to allow them to do that or they can't. And that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's like someday they might have to do something like God forbid that they, they, they ever do, but someday they might have to do something like jump out of a burning building, a, a story up, you know, and they'll freeze. They'll not do it. They wouldn't even try to, and it's problem solving. Like problem solving is a big thing in there too. You know, it's like how, you know, it's getting something and they're in a in a terrible position in a wrestling match with their friend and they problem solve how to get out of it. And then you put them in the real life situation, it helps teach them, teaches them awareness, it teaches them problem solving. You know, I can't get out this building, there's a fire, but I can climb down that. Whereas other people would just look, see the height and go. <gasps> right, they freeze. Yeah. How did that work out for uh, what you learned when you did rough and tumble play with three boys wrestling in the dark? Oh. I got my lips. <laughs> I got my lips split so many times. I don't know. Yeah. He'd yell, "Wrestling in the dark!" We'd turn out the lights, shut the door. I'd hear like it sounded like furniture <laughs> crashing. I mean, three boys, and they are attacking him. And he would come out like, <laughs> "Okay, black eye." I'd come out. I call him time on this now. <laughs> I, nah, I do it with the boys all the time. It's like it was always. <laughs> Okay. okay, put the boys to bed. Oh, I'll put them to bed. And now, <laughs> go wrestling in the dark. And now they're all... Yeah, they're, uh, they were, they were, yeah, my, my youngest they is the worst. My four-year-old is the worst. He's the young, you know, he, he just goes nuts. Well, he like, has, right? Yeah. Like the like Leo, the oldest, he he's gentle and he'll try and, try and wrestle a wee bit, you know, and you just hold them off with one arm. The other one, he goes hell to leather on you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like, what? <laughs> you know? I thought you yeah. loved me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love, I love roughing. Like we played games when I was younger, like, you know, a, 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 like a soccer ball in the middle of the, the floor and you had a chair on either side and it had to go under there. And it was called British, we called it British Bulldogs. I don't know if that's the true name of it. And it was essentially rugby indoors. You know, <laughs> you get that ball and you get it under their chair or they get the ball, you get it under their chair and they try to get the ball off you. And essentially it was it was indoor rugby, you know, <laughs> and wrestling, trying to get the ball off each other because there was no rules essentially except no biting or scratching. But it was great, you know, it was like, it really, it, it got everybody fired up. They really loved it. It was good enjoyment. And then when I went to play rugby, it was also really good because you had situational awareness of where people were. You you could hit tackles and not go, well, well I just got hit. You know, now it's all touch rugby, you know. We'll, yeah. we'll pull the tag off your back and that's you out. <laughs> we have rugby. Yeah, we just boop, boop the yeah, nose. Boop. Boop. So, oh, boop rugby. <laughs> you know, the, there's an offshoot, to, again, an offshoot to this is just the um, the because we put people in boxes so much, you know, don't, don't get hurt. Don't get, don't, don't try that. And then we had them with the, the screens that kids aren't just playing the way that they used to. And you talk about, I mean, I love, we were over at our, our, the other day, well, our son's house, our son's which house is our granddaughter. Yeah, which house is our granddaughter. Um, it's your granddaughter's house. It's, it's, it's our granddaughter's house. And <laughs> that is she, she, anyway. she says to me, Hey, Pappy, Let's go outside. We've got a ball and we've got some cones. Everything we need to make up some games. And I'll, you know, and 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 she so she out there and, and for yeah, for about an hour. It was like, okay, we're gonna play this game, and now we're gonna play this game. Now we're gonna play this game. Not a whole lot of risky behavior, but the idea was that that she had an imagination and she had the the freedom, she's had the freedom to do these things and been put in the situation of going like you you know let's test and let's let's test make stuff up but also let's uh let's let's have that boring i want to say boring time let's have time where what you have to do is entertain yourself and figure out things to do by yourself you you just touched on a new topic there you know because me and katie were talking about that the other day there is no boredom anymore Right. Yeah. No right. boredom. Everybody, you know, nobody's bored. Everybody gets their phone or their iPod or the do. Parents are always trying to get them to do something, you know, to to shut them up or to do. You know, there's no board. Oh. My day, I had to go to your aunt's house, and it was awful. You know, yeah. or for an hour and a half. You know, when you were like, aunt's yeah. awful. Okay. Yeah. Huh? And that's how indoor rugby came to be. <laughs> I'm not saying a sweet Irish name. No, no so that, but that's Margaret uh, awful. So, so, but I, I really think that uh, one of the things I, I kind of stood back and watched with our grandkids is that our that our our boys are perfectly happy to let their kids be bored. Like, nope, yeah. you know, you, or go here's, outside. Here's your screen time. Here's the screen time you have. Now we're done with the screen time. Now make stuff up. Go play with this. Go play with that. Go do go do this, and it it the things that come out of that. I was going to say for me when I was younger, the things that came out of that was risky behavior. So we have a two story house. Can I climb to the second story by myself when I'm ten years old? And did you yeah. make when you jumped into the pool? Yes, and, and <laughs> I remember. Good. No head hitting. Can, yes, can you ride your horse off the off the off the rock into the lake? Yes, I can. <laughs> Also, can you stay on a horse that rolls through a river? I can. 
That's a um, important lesson. I, you have to actually dismount and get back on if the horse gets <laughs> over, but that's a whole, whole separate story. But I think that that's really an important piece of what what's yeah. of, um, definitely, what's, definitely. Be, what's being what's being lost, and then you know there might be a whole another discussion about how do we reintegrate that because I think that sometimes now what we're seeing is a lot of parents bringing their kids to gyms to our gyms because they don't know how like you know they're, they're coming in they're saying to the gyms you know all my kid does is sit on the couch and play the games well. Not, I, I would say take the games and turn the game off. Say now you don't have the game for a while. But they're coming into the gym with this idea of we need to fill we need to fill that that void. And so we need mm-hmm. to start. How do we, as coaches, introduce this yeah. kind of play and introduce this kind of, of uh, normal, challenge normal challenge, cha- challenges <laughs> children, children who haven't had it before. So like we talk about movement gaps and we talk about how the you know children are coming into the gym and they don't know how to hinge because they've never picked stuff up really off the ground. And now we're having, you know, play gaps and and these kind of things and and challenge gaps where they just have never done these things. And so we're having to come up with let's how do we, you know, like here's a ball. I mean, we used to do the hillbilly basketball. Here's a ball and here's the here's the hoop. You guys make up the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get their imagination fired up again, right? You know, it's yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. You know, we 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 all worry about movement patterns and getting people to move well, and we we don't look at the bigger. Well, some people don't look outside the box or the bigger picture, and you know, why are we having this problem? What would help this problem? What would you know? And they do. The people know. They just go. Well, it's because they're sitting all day. But right. yeah, but why are they sitting all day? Because they can't come up with any ideas because they're on screens. Let's start giving them ideas. Let's teach them how to come up with things, you know? So, yeah, it's the free play in the gym sometimes that you do at the end of the class, you know? It's it's giving them the ball and go, okay, you make up the game and the rules and we'll do it. Yeah, no, it's things like that to get it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so much more than just going device time, lack of movement, lack of play. It affects mental health. It affects movement for life. it, It affects the ability to not be scared of something that's a new, unique circumstance because mm-hmm. you've been testing your whole life. If you've been out testing new, unique circumstances out by yourself in the woods, when you get one at work, it's no big deal because you yeah. know you just experiment until you hit on the right thing, right? So it is, it's a massive loss to our society. And yeah. of course, I think we've definitely made it clear that we'd like to have you come back three more times <laughs> so we can go <laughs> deep. <laughs> Each of these subjects, hopefully you'll accept our invitation, but we should probably move to trauma-informed coaching, which Jeff and I were chatting this morning while we walked our dog and realized both of us know slightly more than negative zero about that. (laughs) (laughs) Trauma-informed. Okay. I'd love for you to define it. I'll try and keep it a bit short. Trauma-informed is a, it's Katie, Katie's very big into it for, for, looking at it from a therapy point of view of looking at people because uh, she doesn't really believe in diagnosis and stuff, you know, so everybody's problems tend to stem from somewhere and it's not just, you. once you label something, that's it. You're labeled that, you're on medication for it and there's, there's no way really to get past that and she doesn't like that whole approach. And she's been looking at trauma-informed of why do we have certain people that have certain, like, like depression, like, like, certain different uh 
Certain different, uh, what I just said, uh, like need different therapies for different uh, illnesses that they have, mental illnesses maybe that they have. And she started looking into, uh, she read some important uh, studies and they were looking at everybody that usually ends up with mental health has had some form of trauma in their life. And a lot of it will stem from that trauma not having been dealt with, uh, being suppressed. And and then they've grew up with that and it ends up being there. And that was quite interesting because one of the books she read about a, a girl had traveled all around the world to all the different countries to see who was the most trauma uh, traumatized country. And funny enough, Northern Ireland was more traumatized than the likes of Mozambique and all those countries. So, you know, with the, the troubles that have been there for over, that were over 30 years. And she said that they were the most traumatized society that she ever seen. Now, you know me, so you know that's not true. <laughs> you know, I'm perfectly sane. <laughs> I was going to say it was true. <laughs> but um, so it turns out, it turns out that 40 to 60 percent of people have had at least one trauma event in their life. And a trauma event in your life, I've just got it beside me, could be your parents separating, a divorce. You know, it could be a car crash. It could be a family member being put in jail, somebody dying that you were close to. It doesn't have to be like an attack or, you know, people think trauma is I was shot at or I was, you know, assaulted or things like that. Trauma can be small things that build up and take take an effect on how your life is at that time. And if we look at the kids, lots and lots and lots of parents these days are ending up divorced, separated, you know, having affairs, things like that. So at least... 50 to 60% of the population have had one. 30 to 40% have had two or more. Oh. You know, So that makes sense that there's going to be kids in your gym who have had some sort of trauma in their life. And then if we look at what the trauma causes, it can cause an overactive stress response. You know, So we can go back to the matrix and see where the sitting or the sitting yeah. here. And it's not just for one day. They're maybe sitting down and that going through the motion state for every time they come in. Maybe they're lashing out. You know, maybe they're being aggressive or maybe they're always hyper. Every time they come in, they're really hyper. And I think we're very quick to say, oh, the ADHD or the this or the that, because we're not understanding actually the mental state of these of the children. You know, so so for trauma informed coaching is now how do we make our gym and you are very good on this. Like it's it's one thing you are very good on is how do you make your gym a safe one, one thing? Yeah, one thing. <laughs> one thing I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're very, you're very good at millions of things. Don't worry, I have no trauma. Well, it's making your gym a friendly environment, place. Like if being, you know, where the where the kid feels welcomed. And again, I got you to write it down. A safe, supported, uh, supported, appropriately challenged, and trust. You know, when they come into your place, they they. They feel that they have this. And it's also then the coach has to recognize that maybe that child is only lashing out because of some sort of behavior that has happened. And it's not that they're being disruptive. It's not that they're being bad. It's not, you know, so maybe you need to have that chat with that child or you need to, you know, so it's building up that trust again, building up that rapport, learning where they're at, what they're feeling, things like that. And it's knowing how to create stability for them you know to make sure that you're giving them that environment that they are really craving for it's in the outside world you know to, to come back into and it's pretty much what you all do so really it's i've got a place emphasis on creating a physical and emotional safe environment be designed for a long-term engagement 
Okay, this is and rather than a short one-off program. So, and some gyms do this. Some gyms used to do, we'll do a six-week block, and then we'll be off, and then we'll do an eight-week block. But it doesn't work for kids that are coming from trauma. It doesn't work for kids that maybe have a bit of uh, like autism or things like that. They want to know that their safe environment is going to be there for a long time, that you're providing that environment for them because they're going to trust you eventually. They're going to grow into that. And then you go at the end of six weeks. No, we're done. Oh, and we've got a new coach coming, <laughs> you know. Ah, what? You know, so it's having that same familiar coach all the time. Having a good support structure, rules of play, planned predictable activity, schedule, reasonable ratio between coaches and athletes, and integrate local culture practices. It can be different in every world that you go, every country you go to, depending where your gym is, you know. So it's just being able to and making sure your coach knows if it's an outside coach. Like I come to Canada from Northern Ireland, it's a lot different. You know, so I have to understand what it's like for the for here, you know, and, and if I'm dealing with kids and athletes here, I have to know they don't like me swearing at them every three seconds, you know, like but Northern Ireland, I can get away with that, you know. So it's it's learning those cultural differences. And another one was letting them set out. Like if they're feeling a bit overwhelmed and they, they want to set out, you know, I, I don't want to give them that opportunity to go and set out and always have the door open that they can come straight back in. Maybe they didn't want to do heavy squats that day because they're going through the motion state or they're, you know, they're feeling a bit down and they don't, I don't really want to do heavy squats today. Well, we're not doing anything else. You have to do heavy squats. Let them, well, do you know, what do you want to do? You want to do a bit of stretching? And you're good on this as well. You know, it's you have said that if their movement's bad or they're not feeling it, give them a bit of stretching to the side, let them feel, you know, if they want to set out from a game, you let them set out from the game, but let it that they can walk back into the game and do it. So they just... They're, they're going through their emotions and you're understanding their emotions and where they're at. So don't be an inflexible jerk is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm going to get a t-shirt made that says, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on a kids podcast, but you know. <laughs> We're going to change from doing what's best for kids to and that. Just that don't, be don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get it from the eldest son. Katie said from that aloud. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's seven he's going through that phase where he's being one all the time you know <laughs> but uh but essentially yeah essentially essentially yeah like trauma informs just understanding that there's more to that kid than them just being disruptive and it's just you know so it's just setting up that safe environment for them and being being i think you did one on i don't know if it was twitter or something one of the best one of the most important things for a good kids program you know and people write fun has to be fun <laughs> You know, yeah. and then I could trust, you know, because it has to be yeah. trust. Like, yeah. People are always, yeah. and again, we talked about this, people are always looking at that, getting you to move better, trying to get you stronger, trying to get you this, but they're not looking at the the mental part of it. And the, what do we need to do to make our kids trust us and be more open and more, comp- and they'll come back to you more if you have that. You know? oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the quote to pull from this, Johnny, because it's so true that, I see Lord it all Johnny. the time, it's Lord Johnny. I see it all the time, people pontificating about their program and being very detailed about what they're going to do physically. And I'm like, wow, this is the most emotionalist, like, bunch of bullet points to think I've ever seen. And if they apply that to children, it's almost abusive <laughs> because it so doesn't take into account that there are developed, not only are they humans with these possible backgrounds and emotions, but they're developing little people. They're, yeah. they're, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to bring up at this point, so, and I'm not like, going to. It, 
back on. It's mind-blowing, uh, really, that they I don't look at that part of it. Some of the things that people are saying you should be talking to the kids about, and I'll, well, no, no, yeah. oh, no, 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 you know, we're we're me and Katie's working on putting a whole package together about uh, trauma informed anyway for to try and bring trauma informed coaching to coaches. Maybe you know, so it's something we could talk about, you know, and get it get it more right there. But yeah, I'd love to be uh, back. We awesome. would love to, we would love to share that when you have it ready and yep. uh, let people know about coming to you to to get that. And yeah, let's make a date. And and we'll have you back on. Thank you so much. It was a great. Oh, thanks for having me. Look, even 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 my artwork has the flag for you. See, there you go. See, how's, how's your flag up? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> All right. Bye. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network, a new connection-based training platform that breaks down regional barriers and connects coaches and athletes anytime, anywhere. You're an athlete and love to push yourself. Who's guiding you? As an athlete, you can filter and search our library to find the perfect coach or sign up for a membership to get video feedback and comments from our coaches all over the world. As a coach, you can set up your profile and advertise your credentials, set your own price for video reviews or direct messaging to ensure your rates reflects the value of your time. Welcome to the Athlete Coach Network, and welcome to the future of sports coaching. That was the Youth Fitness Podcast, topics on youth fitness with focus on doing what's best for kids. Brought to you by the Martin family, the developers of the Brand X Method, and the Athlete Coach Network. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and you listen for more.